I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Welcome to Talkin' Tofu, a vegan food podcast. I'm Becky Streepy. And I'm David Streepy. This week's show is a little bit different. We finally watched Hackers together, and we are going to talk about it while we sample the full line of Avec drinks. That's right. Those of you who have been furiously writing in since we mentioned that Becky hadn't seen Hackers in episode number 27, we're now going to do it, so stop sending letters because this this one's for you that's right toeheads it's for you well the subset of toeheads that wrote in that were like have you watched hackers yet well we finally watched hackers and then that other subset that said have you sampled the full line of avag drinks yet well we got news for you we're doing that too if you've listened to this podcast you probably think that we're sponsored by Avec Drinks, but we are not. We just love them, and we uh, are excited to try them all. We've only tried two flavors before, but we're going to retry those two just in the name of science, and I want to drink them. Yeah. I think it's it's not sponsored content. It's not pure passion for these drinks that's motivating it. I think it's more, we thought it would be something neat to do. Yeah. So we're doing it. It's going to be neat. Yeah. Because it's it's a weird line. It's a unique lineup. It is. Their flavors are really special, I think. Yeah. I haven't tried them all, obviously, but they sound very special. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, the printer had a problem at the bottom here. (laughs) How's yours? Yours looks good. the bottom of... The first page. Mine's all squishy. Yeah, why don't you tell everybody what we're looking at? Sure. So what we are looking at here is a printout of the plot uh, summary from the Wikipedia page for hackers uh, to help jog our memories in case we forgot anything because we watched the movie on Friday night. And I don't know if you know this about me, but my memory is real bad. I did not need this. I've oh, seen then can hackers. I have the one that printed out? I've seen better. hackers many, many, many times. Ooh, so maybe you can lead this discussion a little bit because um, this was my first time seeing it. Although during the movie, I had a few moments where I was like, but this does look familiar. I think maybe I saw it once like in high school. Could it have been? Mm, 95, when- it came out in theaters. So it was probably out in home video in 96. Oh, yeah. So high school. Um, and... 
I just don't remember. Hmm. Like a late night viewing of hackers. Yeah. Also, I think it's possible that there's just familiar cliches too. And you saw the cliches in another movie. Yes. There's a lot of overlap happening here. Basically any scene in a school hallway. Um, any scene on a date. <laughs> that school hallway, it looked like the school hallway from another movie that we watched recently. And I couldn't put my finger on it. What scene are you thinking about? The scene when the kid is on the phone, the kid that wears the animal prints. Mm -hmm. This is what it's going to be like, everyone. So buckle up. <laughs> phantom freak. Yeah. When he's on the before phone. Before we know that he's phantom freak. I was like, I've seen this hallway before. They use this hallway in movies. Hmm. Maybe. I mean, it's probably New York City hallway, like public school hallway. Yeah. Or how different do public school hallways look from one to the next, you know? That's a good point. Maybe it? it looks like my public school hallway. There you go. And you had a conversation with a hacker who would not get off the phone for you. Correct. He was really rude, but then turned out to be a great friend. Well, a friend. <laughs> By the end. Anyway, no spoilers. Let's go through this movie. If we're if we're go like we're already off the format, you're already stressed out enough to where you had to put a disclaimer at the top of the episode to I say am truly at the edge of my rope, y'all. At the at the edge of your rope. End end of my rope. Yeah. At the end of your rope. So stressed, just frayed. The end of your rope seems like you're about to like crack. Like yeah, your under rope, the pressure of being off format. I feel like into the rope is like that's like an I'm anger. about to explode. Yeah, no, I'm not anger. mad. I'm not mad. Yeah. Okay, as a bad metaphor. <laughs> so what are you? I'm truly. Are you a tizzy? Are you a flutter? I'm a flutter. You're. You are a flutter. Yeah, that's about right. It's, if I may. Yeah. It's really not a big deal that we're doing this. It's a big deal to me. I, and that's what I'm trying to manage. <laughs> like, I first off, I don't think anybody cares. Yeah, they probably don't. You're just, it, it seems like you're so worried about how we're setting the table that something might be wrong with the meal because you're spending a lot of time worrying about how we're going to set the table. Gotta and get you're like, that, I got to get the place settings just right. Right. And that centerpiece. Constant tinkering so that you never have to bring whatever that dish is out of the kitchen mm -hmm. that might be the problem. You're still just like, oh, wait, 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 wait. The fork's on the wrong side. I forgot to set the timer, everyone. Oh. <laughs> it's all overcooked in there. It's going to be like Christmas vacation. Yeah. And that turkey just like dust cracks open. I need a pen. Hold, please. Oh. I can't not have a pen. And we're back. Got your pen? Got my pen. I am ready to... What's your pen for? I take notes on the script because when I write the extended notes on my website, I use the notes from my script. Got it. To write the thing. And then as I'm editing, that way I'm not editing and writing at the same time because that was a lot. Got it. It didn't take any longer, but it was just a lot harder. Okay. I'm all for making... I was just wondering... That's all. I just I don't know if you're going to mark up your Wikipedia summary of hackers. We'll just see. I don't know. We're off format. Anything could happen. 
Let's crack one of those soda pops. Well, hold on. Let's let's. I think they're not sodas. I think no, they're, they're very careful pops. to not call it soda. Yeah, they're not. They're drinks. They're drinks. Yeah, premium carbonated mixers, but it says mix with a spirit or drink by itself. Yeah. And each word is the same size, so it's not even like trying to lean you one way or the other. Um, we should. Uh, talk about the movie itself, though, before we talk about what happens during the movie, right? Yeah. So I was surprised a long time ago that Becky had not seen the net, did not even know who who was in the net, thought when I said Sandy B that it was Sandra Bernhardt. Yep, sure thought Because that. that's what somebody would assume. So then we watched it and enjoyed it, and in talking about our enjoyment of it, we started talking about Hackers, and it was revealed that she had never seen Hackers. And Hackers is one of those movies that I have seen too many times, probably. It was one of those ones that we, uh, my roommate in college had a lot of VHS movies. That's how long ago it was. And it had like a really big movie collection. So there were a lot of movies around. And for some reason, Hackers kept making it into the the player. And we watched Hackers quite a bit. Uh, I was also a little rave kid at the time. And Hackers has an, a really good soundtrack. It's got yeah. like Orbital, Underworld, etc. on it. Um, so the soundtrack is legit. The movie itself may not be as legit as the soundtrack was, but it has a special place in my heart and my mind, and I was excited to share it with Becky uh, and to look look at it with 2021 vision. Um, yeah, which, mostly. Well, we'll discuss. Yeah. We'll discuss further. I have notes on my phone. <laughs> oh, do you? I took a few notes because it was late, and I wanted to make sure I didn't forget anything. Very 2021. I have notes on my phone. Yep. But... This movie came out in September of twenty of nineteen ninety five, and it stars Johnny Lee Miller. It stars Angelina Jolie. It stars Matthew Lillard. Uh, it's also directed by Ian Softley, who is uh, directed uh, in addition to Hackers, also directed K Pax with uh, Kevin Spacey. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, also did Backbeat. Which I think was a good movie. I haven't seen that movie either. It was like an early Beatles. It was about the Beatles' early <gasps> oh, life. I remember when that came. Yeah. During Beatlemania in the 90s, when there was that second round of Beatlemania. Uh, remember when the Red Album came out and the Blue Album? Oh, yeah. Everybody was like, the Beatles. And then I remember thinking, is it going to be Elvis next? And it kind of was for like a hot second. The Elvis was thing was quick. Yeah. I don't remember that. I remember my best friend Gia and I would sit up late listening to CDs, including the Red and the Blue album, mm. which were like Beatles compilation albums that came out when I was in high school. And um, I remember we were saying, you know, this is like Beatlemania. It's so wild. And what's going to be next? And I predicted Elvis. And then it it was at her school that she noticed it. She called me and was like, you were right. It's happening. Oh, I don't remember that at all. Yeah. I remember when Elvis, they thought, I remember like the whole Elvis isn't really dead thing. That's, I guess, my point. I don't think Elvis ever went away after he died. Like he didn't have a second moment because he never stopped having the first moment. Yeah. Because he died. And then 
that was like the QAnon theory back then. Yeah. Was as innocuous and gentle as Elvis isn't dead. Gosh. And then <laughs> I had, I feel like I've said this story before, but I had, uh, we, I went on a road trip with my parents and at one of the Cracker Barrels, they had a audio cassette rack. You could buy audio tapes or books on tape. Audio cassette. Jesus Christ. <laughs> um, and one of the tapes was is El- is called Is Elvis Alive? Oh, and my it was gosh. the book. Like somebody had had a conversation with Elvis, recorded the phone conversation with Elvis, and then wrote a book about the fact that they had a conversation with Elvis and recorded the conversation with Elvis. And then the audio version of the book had the cassette, had the the like recording. Yeah. So, and I listened to it and talking like this that's what the other guy on the other end of the phone call sounded like and it was like (laughs) largely unintelligible and um i'm uh, i'm being dramatic like you could pick out words and stuff like that but like guys sound like this in the south are a dime a dozen yeah like there is and that was somebody's uncle who know details about elvis's life you know like pretty flimsy, but I remember seeing the infomercials and all that stuff. That was probably like late eighties mm-hmm. that I got that. And so, if he had a moment from his death in seventy seven to is Elvis alive fame in the late eighties, and then to your point, it's like mid nineties maybe that this Beatles Red Blue similar thing happened for Elvis. Then I would posit that that's one unbroken arc of Elvis relevance. Yeah. Relvis. Relvisance. Yep. Yep. Nailed it. But we're not here to talk about Elvis or the Beatles. We're here to talk about hackers. All right. We're going to kick things off describing where we start with the movie with uh, the first drink. This is Avec Grapefruit and Pomelo. Pomelo? Pomelo. I love the sound of a can cracking open. All right, I'm pouring it out for you. Ooh, big, big grapefruit energy happening there. Oh my gosh, that smells like actual grapefruit. Pow, pow, punched me in the nose. Pounced me in the nose. Here's a little bit more. Ooh, this one smells like it's my favorite, everybody. You you haven't even had any, even a sip yet. I have something to tell you. So before, did you already drink this one? No. The thing I have to tell you is that grapefruit is my favorite flavor. Well, I know that. Right, I'm saying- married. It's going to be hard for – oh, but the other thing I'm going to tell you is that pomelo is also, also citrus. What is a pomelo? It looks like a really, really big lemon. Oh. Lemons what? can GTFO as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I said it. What? Lemons are – I don't like them. Dave only speaks for himself. Well, of course He does I not do. represent. no. Okay, so I thought it was a I hybrid. I barely speak for myself. It's not. It's the largest citrus fruit from, and it's an ancestor of the grapefruit. So this is like another sort of grapefruity. This is rindy. Oh yeah, it's got a bitterness at the end. Yeah, this tastes like I'm I'm eating that part of the grapefruit that's like right next to the peel, like if I've cut it into wedges. Mm-hmm. Oh, the white part. Yep. Oh, to me, I'm getting like um, zest. It's zesty too. I'm just saying that this that's present and it's not usually present in grapefruit flavored stuff. 
It's smoother than I would expect from a grapefruit. I feel like grapefruit has a sharpness to it, and this has got like a... Black pepper extract. Ooh, that's not smoothing it out. Bourbon vanilla extract. Oh, the vanilla. That's what it is. Smoked salt. Ooh. Oh, the vanilla and the salt. That's That makes sense to me. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm here for it. It is nice. Mild. Yeah, it's grapefruit juice and it's pomelo extract. It is giving me grapefruit spindrift vibes a little bit. which I think is, it's the smell for me. The smell is what smells rindy. The smell is incredible. Yeah. I wish I could share this smell Get with this. everyone. Get this drink if you like these flavors because this drink has those flavors. Yeah. I wish that I could taste the black pepper more. Oh, maybe I can at the end a little bit. Like my tongue feels a little tingly. Mm. Mm. Would... Would that a black pepper essence met my palate. Would that it could. It could. It's in that can. So Yeah, so we start off with, um, oh, you were going to no, 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 interrupt I, you. No, no, no. I was going to lead us in that direction and then you do it. Well, you, yeah. it makes sense that we're slowly getting to it because the film opens with about five minutes of slow motion. And by slow motion, I mean almost stop motion. It's so scenery. slow. It's uh, Johnny Lee Miller's <laughs> as a child. You don't know this yet that it's him, but it's these agents, I guess FBI, storming a uh, house in like the suburbs. But it's seriously like, and Becky saw it and was worried that the whole movie was going to be slow motion. I was like, I don't think there's any slow motion anywhere else in this movie. But I think they had a shoot day planned for this prologue and it was just a disaster of a shoot so this slow motion treatment was the only way that they could do it it does have stretch this out vibes yeah it was so so slow i know that slow i mean slow motion has its place like dramatically but this was so it reminded me of the beginning of a like a mystery science theater beginning credits yeah i i have one in my in mind You're thinking of cave dwellers yes yeah, <laughs> yeah. A little deep cut. I think we successfully alienated everybody with that cross section. Yeah. So now it's just you and me, Dave. Yeah. We can get down to business. Yeah. Um, but what's happening in it is that FBI agents are storming this house. This house is the source of a hacker who was doing a lot of financial crimes, shut down X number, like a, a whole buttload of businesses, including Wall Street financial servers and all that, crashed the whole economy. Uh, and they arrest it, and good, it's like a 10-year-old kid. Zero Cool is the name of the hacker. And he goes to court, and Walter Peck from Ghostbusters is the judge of the court and says that Johnny Lee Miller cannot have a computer until he is 18 years old. So he's on, like, house arrest or something. No computers and no, uh, no, no phones with no keypad phones. Oh, that's right. Because you can use those for hacking too, as we see later in the movie. It's called freaking. Yes. With they don't use pH. that term in the movie, do they? What's what's the gentleman in the leopard prince? Oh, I get it now. Yeah. Okay. You could, you could oh, tell his the name listener. is the Phantom Freak PH with yeah, a PH. Because he's a phone hacker. Oh. And you see it. We'll get to it. But he does a phone he does a phone hack in the jail when he gets mm-hmm. this one phone call. That's how he Makes more than yeah. one, or no? He makes a call that he should. That's how he dials to. out. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, 
spoiler alert, he gets arrested. <laughs> so then it's seven years later, or yeah, seven years later, it's his 18th birthday. Johnny Lee Miller is all raved up at this point. He's grown into a handsome, just so ravey. handsome rave man. Is he on rollerblades at this point? I don't think we've seen him on rollerblades yet. Okay. But it's coming, and once it's coming, he doesn't take them off. No, once the rollerblades in this film are unleashed, they do not stop. Yeah, I wrote several notes in my phone. I wrote like two two lines of phone of notes in my notes app, so not a ton. But the first thing I wrote was rollerblades. This film, I think, was done by somebody who loves techno, mm-hmm. who loves the rave scene. Yeah, who loves computers, loves rollerblading loves rollerblading or thinks that that's what everybody loves or that's what they think like rave culture is about wants to create a world where that is everywhere yeah and so it's either that this guy wants to see that a world where that is everywhere yeah in softy um or he thinks that people want to see that world and that's probably a good point to point out that the budget for this movie was twenty million, and the box office was seven point five million. So, whatever that vision was, it either wasn't realized or people weren't on board with it. So, what what happens next, Becky? I feel like I'm driving way too. Okay, much of well, it. you have a better memory than me. But so on his 18th birthday, the uh, so it's his 18th birthday, and he's on the computer, and his mom is like, you're not doing anything wrong, are you? And he says, no, mom, as he's hacking into a TV station. That's oh, no. Right. no. He says, I'm hacking into a TV station. Yeah. And she says, ah, ha, ha. Yeah. But he is. Which, if you're the mom, mm-hmm. you and your son was that. convicted of cyber crimes at the age of 10, and it's his first day back having a computer, and you ask him through a closed door. First off, closed door? And you ask him through a closed door what he's doing, and he says, I'm hacking. You don't just be like, all right, well, don't stay up too late. Yeah. You yeah. you may be just like, yeah, just investigate it. You just open the door. Walk in the room. Yeah. You don't have to accuse you just pick him. Up the phone. Maybe he's joking, but yeah. yeah, go in and just see. Anyway, he was hacking. the. Uh, it was like a right-wing religious yeah. uh, TV station that was saying some horrific stuff. The name of the tape was America First, you oh, pointed yeah. out. They have one of those like um, robotic – well, I don't know. That like a, not everyone has worked right. on TV, but the, um, they have a robotic mechanism that like pulls the tapes and sets them to play for air. Yeah. Uh, and he ejects the America First tape and switches it to an episode of The Outer Limit. Yeah. And I do feel like this movie, like whoever, I don't know who wrote it or maybe if it's the director. I don't know who in the process it was, but somebody involved in this movie loves The Outer Limits. It has a real, we've been watching a lot of Outer Limits lately, and there are some like serious Outer Limits vibes throughout, I feel like. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so he hacks in and he runs into, but then this other hacker boots him out. And what was their name? He tells them, oh, acid burn boots him out. But first acid burn, the hacker who boots him asks his, him, his name. And he says, crash override. Right. He's got a new alias because his old alias zero cool is like super famous. Yeah. He can't say he's zero cool. He'd be in so much trouble. So, but before acid burn boots him out, they have a battle. They have oh, a yeah. hack battle. So 
Does that Johnny happen? Lee Miller? I, I'm just going to keep calling him Johnny Lee Miller, but uh, he hacked into the robot arm just so we're clear, and is like was telling it to pull the outer limits tape and play the outer limits tape. So acid burn comes in, takes control of the robot arm, and so all they're doing is just like swapping tapes that are going to the feed in and out. So to the viewer, it's just like Chaos. random shit. Yeah, it's just clips all over the place. And uh, then it's, I guess, whoever the winner is would be the one who gets their tape to stick. Oh, they're and they're they're trash talking the entire time too. Yeah, in a way that <laughs> the way that they portray what being on the internet is like is bananas. It's all like, um, it's all animated where it would just be a black and white or black and green screen where uh-huh. you're typing text and messages are popping up in just a single font. Right. It's like 3D words and things are moving and stretching and morphing. It is bananas. At the beginning of the movie, it's probably one of my favorite moments of the movie. He's 18 and they're flying into New York City. And he's with his mom on the plane. His mom's asleep and he's looking out the window and he sees New York City and it's flying over New York City, which is a little weird because planes don't really do that, I don't think. But um, it's like a top-down view of New York City. And um, Halcyon On and On is playing by Orbital and it's got this really slow, like atmospheric, pretty build um, before like the beat comes in. And so it's doing this overhead view of the city and the overhead view, the grid turns into like a motherboard grid. Like, mm-hmm. and the chips all, like the buildings all turn into chips and the streets all become like the circuitry of a motherboard. And it's really nice and elegant. And then this movie does that every time that they're hacking for the rest of the movie. Like, it's this real pretty, like, analog metaphor at the beginning. Yeah. But then they just like squeeze every drop out of that rag for the rest of the movie. And yeah, it's like not just that. Like, when you're hacking, it's like you're navigating a cityscape of like circuitry and but it's like that futurama episode when they go inside the computer yeah every time they turn on a laptop they're just in there so and that is like the more rooted visualization of hacking what they also do is sometimes it's just math equations that are like curving in like a nexus in the in the screen it's like that gif of the lady (laughs) <laughs> With all the calculus floating around her. Oh, I'm. I mean, it's more like nova, supernova. Oh, yeah. It's like yeah. a spiral galaxy that has just exploded, but every arm of the spiral galaxy is like a math equation that's curving around, and like all the pieces are floating back and forth, and the hackers are trying to find like something in there, you know. Very cool to look at, but um, it just doesn't make any sense. Doesn't make any sense in the context of the movie, which yeah. is otherwise like all the. Which is Very otherwise rock solid. Rock solid. Rooted yeah. in reality. The way people talk to each other <laughs> you know and what? relate That's to true. each other. It actually fits in very well with the rest of the movie. It's very cartoony. Um, so maybe that's okay. Maybe it's an artistic choice. I mean, it's obviously an artistic choice they made, but I, I think I'm seeing the motivation now. I think it's uh, like they didn't follow through enough with the real world stuff. It's cartoony in the real world, but maybe it needed to go further to match what happens every time they open a laptop. But then to your point about Matthew Lillard, I think that's exactly what they do with him. And, but we're getting ahead of ourselves. We haven't met Matthew Lillard yet. No. So he gets kicked out and then he gets in trouble with his mom because his mom found out that he was hacking the night before. And she's like, man, if you get caught hacking again, it's going to be really bad. And that 
kind of sets Johnny the Miller up to, he's got to be more careful, but he can't not hack. Right. He's a hacker. Hacker's going to hack. He cannot hack. And now he has an enemy hacker in New York. New kid on the block, has an enemy hacker, acid burn. So then he goes to school. He meets somebody on the phone. I'm I'm setting you up for your moment. Oh, he meets our friend. Phantom Freak, whose name I did know, and <laughs> who turns out to be a fellow hacker. Yeah. And Phantom Freak kind of sees him hacking into something to change his schedule. And that's how he becomes – yeah, we're going to have to like circle back, Yeah, <laughs> I'm realizing. But that's how he, he meets a couple of friends because Phantom Freak sees him hacking and is like, let's be in a hacking group together. Well, let me introduce you to the other hackers. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But so what happens is he goes to Phantom Freaks on the phone. He says, hey, where's the front office? Phantom Freaks like, go away. And so he <laughs> goes away and he finds the office and he gets assigned somebody who's helping him out on his first day. That somebody is Angelina Jolie. They have instant like negging energy. Like they're yeah, attracted like, to each other, but they just start insulting each other. Very she, like 90s chemistry. Yeah. She pranks him by telling him to go up to the swimming pool on the roof. He goes up there. All of the nerds are trapped up there. He is trapped up there because the door locks. It starts to rain. He gets drenched. Ha ha. Very cliche first day of school prank by mm-hmm. the bad guy. But now he's, he and Angelina Jolie are enemies. And he, because he is attracted to her, but also is her enemy, hacks his school schedule to get in her classes. Which is like, why are you doing that if that's your enemy? Just be honest with yourself. It's a weird move. It's um, kind of a red flag move, to be honest. That's 2021 vision. Yeah. Right, right. Like, well, here yeah. we are. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm not saying it's, yeah. I'm agreeing with you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm <laughs> saying it was the right time to introduce that. Yeah. <laughs> that's the 2021 vision part. Yeah. We're going to be doing that a lot because there are a lot of things that uh, are different through 2021. Goggles. But yes. I will, and I want to be clear that I agree with you. I will say that when all cards are on the table, this was just another legitimate move in the hacking game. Okay. Because she's a hacker. Did He didn't know that yet. No, but I'm saying like when all cards are on the table, this will be revealed as another legitimate move in the hacking game. In a normal non-cartoon world, it is a red flag. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Okay. With I'm you. not defending his move. No. To like hack his schedule to get into a girl's class. That was also a very 80s thing. Very cliche. I don't know that it's a red flag necessarily, but to do it because you like her but also hate her, that's a red flag. Yeah. That's terrifying. But as a, you know, if he just likes her and wants to like get to know her, it's kind of an over the top move, but I don't know that it's necessarily. What do you think, Toeheads? Is that a scary move if the hate element is taken out of it? I feel like they could have made a really interesting point about teenage emotions being kind of unformed and like hating something and being attracted to something, having some sort of emotional overlap and your unformedness in that space leading to making extreme decisions that are also kind of nebulous and whether they're good decisions or bad decisions, you know, Mm -hmm. it doesn't do that though. No, it basically says, of course, this is what he's going to do. He likes her and hates her. Yes. And he deserves her because he's a man and it's, the 90s so phantom freak uh sees him hacking the records yeah he's like hey what's your interest in angelina jolie he's like i don't like her blah blah blah. there's some whatever but he's like hey you're a hacker i know you he says i know you play the game 
which does he really he say hacking. that? Yeah. Oh, good. Um, I don't remember that. He introduces him himself as Phantom Freak. Uh, kid named Joey comes up, and this is where it, it does feel like it's Hacker One Hundred and One because Joey is like, "Hey, Freak, I I need a handle. I'm nobody online if, unless I have a handle. I need a handle." And it's like they did have to do that little bit of. I feel like they didn't do enough of that, maybe, and that's why no one liked the movie or like not so many people. Yeah, because but, in the '90s, like we didn't know anything about unless you were like really online. You know what I mean? Maybe, but. I think if you accept that that's necessary, then you really embrace all of the rest of the movie. It's for people who don't know anything about computers or hacking. Yeah. Like it doesn't even try to be accurate. And I'm not saying it necessarily should be because that's probably pretty boring to make a movie about too. Just people typing. Yeah. Yeah. But it's just, it felt a little bit insulting to me. And I remember even in like 1995 being a little insulted by that. <laughs> like I went to a movie called Hackers. I'm here to see it, you know? I'm not going to a movie called Hackers to learn about hacking. <laughs> uh, they don't settle on a, a handle for him. He's no, just he like, you're stupid, it. go away. Oh, that's right. He has to earn it. That's why he does the next thing, which yeah. is, so he's You got to do a big hack. You got to do a big hack. You've got to become elite. You've got to be elite hacksaw. And so Joey uh, goes home and is like, I'm going to do it. And he decides to hack this thing called the Gibson, which is like a supercomputer at a big uh, company. Yeah, they talk about how that's like the white whale is like the or not. That's the big score. The yeah, white whale is the wrong. Hacking a supercomputer. Yeah. And he's like, I'm going to do it. So he does it. And he right. downloads. I'm going to do hibiscus and pomegranate next. Ooh, this smells good. Yuzu and what? No, this is hibiscus and pomegranate. Ooh, we know what those are. And that explains the beautiful color. Hibiscus makes everything so beautiful. It smells like medicine. So he's hacking the Gibson. Oh, it smells so good to me. It made my mouth water when I smelled huh. it. <laughs> it smells so tart. I'm and not going to drink it yet. When he's hacking the Gibson, he finds a garbage file. In the Gibson, like in the file folders. And there's something interesting about it to him. And he starts to download it. And then his mom comes in and turns his computer off because it's too late. Yeah. So he only gets like half the file. Right. And he, but he puts it on a disc and he can just, I don't know what prompt, I guess because he hacked a supercomputer yeah. and downloaded some random stuff. He, he hides the disc up in like a duct. Right. And then he goes to bed. Yeah. And then he tells his friends about it. Mm-hmm. Does he? Oh yeah. yeah. He tells them. And then does he get a name? No, he doesn't get, he, I don't think he ever gets Oh, a he name. tells them about it and they get so mad yeah. because this company that he hacked was across state lines. And so that's like a felony and the FBI can come for you. Remember that? They were like, the FBI can investigate that because it's in the next state. Yeah. I remember that. That's the kind of backstory. They did a good right. job giving us that information, I thought. I'm trying to remember, was that that company or was that a bank that he was trying to brag about when they told him that the Gibson was the big score? Maybe it was. Yeah. It was the bank. It showed and it how, he, out how money. he had so much more to learn. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. You're right. So he'd hacked a bank and thought he was flexing on his friends, but it was across state lines and they were like, that's a financial crime. You can't do that. Blah, blah, blah. You've got so much to learn, which shows both how smart they are and how stupid he is mm-hmm. in the framework of the movie. 
Yeah. So then he does this Gibson and then he tells Freak about it. He gives Freak the disc, right? No, I think the disc is still in his. He hands it to him and then they look over the shoulder and they see these <gasps> oh, guys yeah, snapping pictures of him. guy's taking a picture. Yeah. And that's when he gets arrested. Yeah. So then he gets arrested. And to speed this along a little bit, I'm going to say that we discover that he's being framed to take the fall for a financial crime that another evil hacker is committing against this company and that the trash file belonged to the evil hacker, whose name is? The Plague. The Plague. Played by Fisher Stevens. Oh, so excellent. The, hey, wait, wait. Before we go on, should we try this? This well, I, We need to say who the plague is. The, the plague works at the company. Yes. The plague is the head of IT. Oh, yeah. At Or head of internet yeah. security or network security at the big company that he is grifting. Okay, now we can have it. Right. Okay. No. Oh, it's no. so tart and dry. Oh, my gosh. Hard no. Oh, I'll take the rest of yours. I. I'm not going to pour it over. <laughs> Just pour it over all these cables? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it tasted like kind of minty, kind of spiky, kind of medicine-y. Oh. What's in it? Oh. I loved it. I you think- got the can. Oh, you're right. I got the can, everybody. Oh, so it's pomegranate, lime, hibiscus extract, and cinnamon. Oh, the cinnamon's what I was reacting to. I wasn't ready for it. And they're so, so strong. I'm really enjoying it. It tastes medicine y. I feel like <sighs> it kind of drinks like a wine. It's got like that tanniny, um, like dryness that you would get from like a glass of wine. I'm yeah. enjoying it very much. I don't drink wine anymore. And this is kind of a glass of wine, like a sparkling red nice. experience. Yeah. It's real nice. Well, enjoy. Okay. So let's talk about all the hackers as of now. Yeah, let's just name there's, everybody because we didn't intro everyone. Crash Override Zero Cool, who is Johnny Lee Miller. He's like the star. Right. There is Emmanuel Goldstein, serial killer, played by Matthew Lillard. And he's like a holdover from the hippie days. Yeah, like real philosophical, talks in a way that is hard to describe, but would be insufferable. Yeah. And I think the implication is that he's on like LSD the entire time. Yes, and they also heavily imply but never say outright that he does not have a home. Right. He's always crashing on people. He either ha- doesn't have a home or he doesn't want to go home. Right. He's crashing on people's couches all the time. Yep. Who else? And then you have Phantom Freak, which is Ramon Sanchez. Sanchez. I said that like such a hillbilly. but So he's the phone hacker. He's Johnny Miller's first friend. Then there's Joey Pardella, Pardea, Pardella, I don't know. Joey, who's the young, inexperienced kid. He's embraces. He's the one who gets arrested. And then there's Lord Nikon, who is a guy with a photographic memory. That's why it's Nikon. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He's great. Yeah. He seems cool. Yeah. So <laughs> all these guys. Uh, and there's Angelina. Up. Oh, hold, on, okay. hold on. Sorry. All these guys buddy up. And Angelina Jolie, her mother is a famous writer. Mm-hmm. So she's kind of a rich girl. She has a party at her mother's or at her apartment, I guess. And all the hacker gang is invited. They bring Johnny Lee Miller along. They all end up in her room 
like checking out her computer because she has a really sweet computer. Yeah, twenty eight point eight. Yeah, twenty eight point eight modem and everything. Yeah. Um, in nineteen ninety five. Yeah, even yeah, in nineteen ninety five, I think we were up to fifty. It was like the AOL box in the computer store came yeah. with a fifty six k. Yeah. But um, so there and there, while they're in there, Angelina Jolie and her boyfriend come in and they're making out on the bed. And so there's another like weird cliche eighties movie moment where they're all just like trying to be quiet, but are also like, (laughs) and then somebody calls her burn. It's, Oh no, I thought crash override says her name. Crash override doesn't know that she's burn. It's the point that I'm making. Somebody says, wow, burn's really going for it or something like that. And that's when Johnny Lee Miller says burn. And that's when they hear, that somebody's in the room. There's a whole moment. And then uh, Angelina Jolie is like, why are you looking at my computer? And they're like, oh, it's a sweet computer. And she's like, yeah, it is pretty sweet, right? And like, so she like sends her boyfriend away. Yeah, her boyfriend is not smart. Yeah. And so he, yeah, she's getting really into nerding out over her computer with these guys. And it's really sweet them yeah. bonding over a laptop. Yeah, and I think like Johnny, Johnny Lee Miller aside... It's really platonic, like yeah. among all of them. And I think that's one of the really cool parts of the of the movie. Yeah. Is like that they have this beautiful girl who happens to just be really into computers, who also happens to be really into hacking. You have these outcasty guys who are just kind of not even like specifically outcast. It's not like they're getting clowned at school or anything like that. But yeah. they are kind of like their own little subset. Um, and they're all just like... There's no hangups about hanging out with each other, you know? Yeah, they just kind of yeah. come together for purely because they have a shared interest. Right. It's very pure. And then John Lee Miller is mad because he realizes this is acid burn, the person who kicked him out of the TV hack. <laughs> and so then they start having a pissing contest and it turns into a real pissing contest because Joey has been pinched by the FBI that's what they call it, pinched Ooh. in the criminal world. Yeah, that's what they I'm say. Gonna, I'm, I keep my my ear to the ground when it's terms about crime. But the agent in charge of that is what's his name? Wendell? Or yeah, it's played by Wendell Pierce. It's Richard Gill is his name. He's Bunk from The Wire, and so they basically set up a contest to where John Lee Miller, Angelina Jolie, both compete to ruin this guy's life. <laughs> And this is where the 2020 goggles come on. Yes. Because so there, there's some stuff that's like pretty innocuous. Like they, he's got unpaid parking tickets and stuff like that. And that's all, you know, it sucks, but. It holds up. Right. <laughs> it's it, within prank territory. And then at one point they sign, they put a singles ad on like a trans hotline or something like that. Yeah, it's basically and, like they put up a Craigslist ad, but it's just like this part of the movie has a lot of casual transphobia that is frankly hard to watch. Yeah, it does not age it's, well and should not have been digestible at the time, honestly. But no. even their competition, the loser was supposed to, they were going to, if he wins, they go on a date. And if she wins, he wears a dress on the date because that's the worst thing that a man could do in the 90s, apparently. Which was odd because they're already being so progressive kind of in every other direction. And even in their attire, they're kind of like bending in their attire. So then like that's where I feel like some guy in another room was punching up the script. 
Yeah, some boomer. And, right. <laughs> and being like, well, what if she had, what if he had to wear a dress? You know, but yeah, they they put his personal ad on a hotline and then he starts getting these calls from that like, are so raunchy right. as if and, that would happen. Well, I mean, that would happen on any hotline. Yeah, <laughs> it's I guess just so. weird that they set it up as this specifically like trans thing, which is just like why? Yeah, it was just a it was like stupid they just went out of their way to yeah. be cruel. Yeah. It's weird. Not that the kid, not the kids going out of the way, but the writers. Right, right. Yeah. It was, and, anyway, we didn't care for that part. Yeah. But there it was in the movie. Um, and so they also change his payroll status to deceased. Oh, yeah. Which, which is like, that's a life ruiner yeah, at that's that super. point. Like, you don't come back. <laughs> like, how long is it going to take you to start getting paid again? You know? Yeah. And this guy's just doing his job. It's not, he wasn't even like. He didn't have a vendetta against this kid. Against, yeah. It's not him that whose life needs to be ruined. They right. didn't know yet. Yeah. But, and yeah. And that's they're true. dumb kids. But also, so Fisher Stevens is writing Bunk really hard. I'm just going to refer to these people as the names that I know them as. That's fine. <laughs> the Plague is has gotten the FBI involved. He manipulated, like, like Becky said, um, the situation so that it was something that would get the FBI involved. And now he's got like this agent working for him and he's writing this agent really hard to like bust these guys, yeah. you know? Uh, so that's why they hate him. So then after that, he meets with Freak and gives Freak the disc. That's when he gives Freak the disc. Yes. Who hides um, it by sticking it to the back of like a condom machine in a bathroom. Right. In the men's room. In the men's room. And because then, this New York City high school in the 90s, actually, that checks They're in like out. a park. Oh, I thought it was at the school. No, they're in like a park. And that's why there's guys on a park bench taking the picture. And they run. Oh. Freak runs into the bathroom, hides the disc. And then he, Freak gets arrested. Freak gets then brought in, he gets his one phone call, and then hacks the phone to call Byrne to say, hey, I left this disc in this place. Byrne, Angelina Jolie, a woman, goes into this men's room and reaches behind the condom machine, gets the disc, and then uh, gets a condom from the condom machine and like shows it off on her way out (laughs) of the bathroom. It's a pretty good cover. (laughs) Shocking. Yeah. Uh, it's so progressive. So progressive. Woman in a men's room. She's such a With a spirit. condom. <laughs> uh, so she gets the desk. They figure out that. They use whatever they find in that trash file. Yeah. To figure out that what the plague has done is created a worm that like. For shaves, every transaction. Like, for every transaction, it just like shaves off some scents and, and siphons it away. And they're. <laughs> To steal money from this financial institution. So it's like shaving a few cents off at a time. It's a trope that I think is in a lot of movies about. It's office space, right? Yeah, that is office space. Same thing. I wonder if in office space they mention hackers. (laughs) That came out before, didn't it? Oh, did it? I don't know. Let's not fall into that rabbit hole. What are we drinking now? This one is yuzu and lime. It is fresh yuzu juice, fresh lime juice, and lemongrass extract. I'm all in already. Um, I gave you way more than I got. Here you go. So yuzu is another citrus plant. You got it? I got it. And it's it's a mandarin orange hybrid. Okay. Oh, my. This is 100% mixer. Like, this was designed as a mixer, I think. It's great, but it's very light. 
It's giving me tonic water vibes a little mm-hmm. bit. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's good though. I like it's it like, a lot, but it's it's citrusy. It has very little body to it. It's all like hints. Yeah, but you get that mandarin orange at the back. Mm-hmm. Mm. Oh, this is really good. This one's very good. It's not as tart as the pomegranate one. So they figure out the scam. At the mean meanwhile. Fisher Stevens has been, he knows about Johnny Lee Miller's past. He knows that it's zero cool. And he starts kind of reaching out to him and, and harassing him. Knows that they have the disc. Knows that they're in with Joey. Probably thinks they're more of like a cabal than they actually are. Yeah. Like they're just some friends who hang out, but he thinks they're like a team of hackers. Yeah. And he's only like, a team could have broken into his network. Right. <laughs> so he's like, hey, John Lee Miller, I'm going to make this, make an arrest warrant up for your mom. I'm going to use somebody's arrest warrant, swap it out with your mom's picture. It's going to ruin her life. She's going to get arrested. And then the second that she gets put into the jail, I'm going to change the record back so that your mom disappears and nobody knows who she is and she's just stuck in jail forever. Unless you give me the disc. So Plague is doing that to Zero Cool. The gang is figuring out the scam uh, at that point. And then Zero Cool gives the disc to the Plague. Oh, yeah, he did give it up, right. didn't he? Yeah. And how did how did the Plague show up to receive the disc? Oh, wonderfully. He was on rollerblades <laughs> holding on to no, the no, side. No, no, no. no. Good guys are in rollerblades. Bad guys ride skateboards in this world. <gasps> he was on a skateboard, on a skateboard. you're right. He was in his 40s at this point. On a skateboard, holding on to the side of a moving car. <laughs> a limo. <laughs> Leans over, grabs the disc from... Zero Cool. From Zero Cool. Who was he on? I'm trying to remember if he's on rollerblades. God, I hope so. Let's uh, say that he is. Sure. It, probably. The it's odds hackers. are with And um, zooms off. In the most ridiculous way possible, holding yeah. on to the side of this limo. Yeah. It was, un- I could not believe my eyes as this was taking place. <laughs> <laughs> it shook me to my core. Yeah. So Zero Cool confesses this to the other hackers. Um, they're all upset, obviously. And then uh, Acid Burns got an idea. About this is where it starts. Like it's a complicated scam, needlessly complicated. Right. It seems like. And then their way out of this is to hack into this Gibson again and get the rest of the evidence. I guess. Like that's how they. So they they are planning a big hack on the Gibson, but they don't know what they're going to do. They learn that they're going to get arrested the next morning at nine o'clock. So the clock is ticking for them. So they go to. These guys, Razor and Blade, who are like these club kings. Yes, but they also have a show called Hack the Planet. So they're also elite hacksaws, everyone. Yeah. yeah. I'd say everyone as a... if anyone is still listening. Yeah. No, <laughs> saw hackers in the title and we're like, maybe next week. So they go to the club to meet with these club kings. It's your normal rave club. And then it turns into a weird rock band. That's like a Rage Against the Machine sound alike. Everybody starts moshing. So then they go and meet with Razor and Blade. 
They convince Razor and Blade that the plane is on, but we don't know what that plane consists of yet. Then the next day, it's like real early in the morning and they're on the train and they're going to, is it Grand Central? Yeah. Grand Central Station. A very empty Grand Central Station. Yeah. There's no one there. It's bananas. They get on to some payphones to begin the hack. And then there's like this phone tree. There's a hacker phone tree that activates everyone just like one call after another, basically saying things like the eagle has landed. That's what Razor and Blade are coordinating. Mm Mm-hmm. So they start the hack themselves, like the core group of hackers. And it's seriously like they have bags of viruses and they are throwing viruses at the Gibson. And then we haven't even mentioned who the head of security is. It's Penn Gillette. Oh, yeah. The head of security at the evil corporation or at the corporation. Yeah, the so corporation Stevens, not like overtly. Yeah. They're just kind of like a vessel. Yeah. And Lorraine Bracco. Is the employee, like she's the higher up at the corporation who is working with the plague to do this big scam, this big grift. Oh, yeah. And so they're the bad guys. Everybody else at the company's as good as an oil company can be. But Oh, yeah. It's an oil company. Yeah. They're just kind of bystanders to this particular crime. Yeah. We're really botching this because yeah. the whole thing is that the plague created this virus to make a ransom. If he didn't get X amount of money by 9 a.m. the next day, oh, he was going to topple. He was going to crash five oil tankers, five random oil tankers. Yes. Right. That's what the plague is working on right now. And he's trying to blame it on these hackers. Yes. I forgot all about the oil tankers. Yeah. That's a big, big part of the That's the Da Vinci virus. Yeah. The Da Vinci virus is it's infected five oil tankers in the world. There are like 30 oil tankers. So nobody knows which five they are. And at this virus's direction, five of them are going to start leaking oil unless they meet the ransom. That's what got the plague to get the FBI involved, which got him on the case of these hackers who discovered his garbage file Mm -hmm. where he was actually doing the scamming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That all happened. I know it's been an hour and I apologize (laughs) that we didn't say that like 30 minutes ago. They seed that early and then it becomes relevant now. And the thing that made me think of it is that the Da Vinci virus is personified on the computer by the male drawing, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, the guy with the two arm sets, like the the human body drawing in the circle. It's that guy who's talking. Mm -hmm. And once the hackers start hacking the Gibson... This Da Vinci virus starts singing, row, row, row your boat. And all I could think of was Fisher Stevens had to program that animation to say, row, row, row your boat. And later to say, <laughs> oh, okay, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> so they start throwing all these hacks at it. And the hacks are literally like a Pac-Man animation that's going left and right across the screen, eating the words on the screen, which is like, it's wild. It's, point, it does, it's meaningless. Yeah. So what? That's eating the display. I don't. I think There's, we're thinking about it more than anyone who worked on this movie ever did. So it's like dozens of these, like just popping up on the screen all over the place at the time. Uh, Pendulette and Fisher Stevens, they know what they're doing. They know how to take down each one. One of them, it was like Cookie Monster, <laughs> and it was eating the words on the screen and. 
Fisher Stevens is like, yeah, type cookie, you idiot. That's how you get rid of them. And it's like, I don't know that that's really how that ever works. No, I doubt it very much. So they're like swatting down the viruses as the viruses come in. Fisher Stevens under the table is like activating the Da Vinci virus to like spill the oil. That's when Razor and Blade call in and are like, hey, are we late to the party? And they're like, no, let's hack the planet. And that's where the phone tree starts. So all over the world, these hackers start to join in and overload the Gibson. While that's happening, they find the garbage file. They they are able to successfully download all of it. They kill the Gibson. The Da Vinci model phase goes, no! Oh, yeah. It he says, says help. help. Right. <laughs> and then the oil tanker, which is tipped on its side, <laughs> writes itself. And the oil goes back into the tanker. Yes. All, <laughs> all of this is right. shown in an animation on the screen. Right. So they get arrested, but Matthew Lillard doesn't get arrested. Matthew Lillard works with Razor and Blade to broadcast the truth of what was happening. He, they broadcast the number of the bank account where all of the money went to. Bunk gets upset. And goes after Fisher Stevens and Lorraine Bracco, gets them, and then Angelina Jolie and John Lee Miller go on their date. Yes. And his friends have have. Uh, oh, and he does wear the dress. And no, he, he doesn't wear the dress. Oh, right. I thought he did because we he said looked- he looked great, but it, then it was there was pants, so he didn't wear the dress. Yeah, and that see like that outfit. He looked like a dress at first glance. Yeah, and he looked great. Yeah. Anyway, he would have looked great in a dress. It's weird. I feel like these kids wouldn't have anyway. In life. Mid-90s New York City, rave culture. Yeah. Wearing a dress isn't a punishment. No. It's like, just fine. Yeah. It's just a comfortable I mean, It's not a punishment in the world, but like it shouldn't be. Yeah. But even in that point, it's like particularly unbelievable at that point. Um, last one. Jalapeno and blood orange. Ooh, I've had this one. In yeah, this one's my favorite. I've got so many drinks to drink tonight. I drank all of these. Well, I had that big pomegranate one that you didn't drink, so I, I'm still... What up, um, big palm? Hey. Oh, my gosh. This one's so spicy. It made my nose... Oh, so good. More jalapeno. I might sneeze. No. So then on their date, they, re- they swim in a pool. They go to a rooftop, swim in a pool together. They start kissing. Or no, before they kiss, they see that their hacker friends have taken two of the buildings and said and changed the lights in the offices and the buildings to spell out crash and burn. So romantic. And that is sweet. It and is they're, sweet. They're buds. That's a sweet all and buds. believable yeah. thing. And I loved it. And then they kiss. And then that's it. That's the end of the movie. That's the end of Hackers. Yeah. Yeah. It's not good. It's but not I good, love but it. There's, also- there's, there's so much that I love about it. And I love a cheesy movie, as you know. Mm-hmm. And this is definitely a cheesy movie. So cheesy, but the wardrobe on point. <laughs> Except so for John fun. Lee Miller. <laughs> These vests that he keeps wearing. Oh, yeah. They put him in so many really weird vests. He looks like a crossing guard in one scene. It's weird. Vests aside, I feel like the fashion in this movie, incredible. I feel like the music, amazing. Like, it's a beautiful, like, eye candy movie for sure. Mm. And it's a fun movie to watch if you can just shut your mind off and and push away that casual transphobia that it's peppered with. Weirdly. I feel like that's the hard thing for me to get away from. Just because it's so unnecessary and, like, it would ever be necessary. It's so, like, shoehorned It adds nothing to it. It's not organically part of the way that they're behaving towards each other. And like I was saying earlier, like these are painted as pretty progressive kids. Yeah. These kids seem real cool. Why is there this 
just like glaring blind spot of otherness that they're bringing to it. Yeah. It was a weird turn. It comes up a few other times that we haven't talked about too. And it's just like, once you see it, you start noticing it more and more and more. And that was, a very, that's a difficult thing for me to kind of get past. Yeah. You know, my mom this weekend watched the kid for us. He So that we could watch hackers. So that we could watch hackers. Yeah, she, the, well, she came to visit. I haven't seen her in 14 months. There were a lot of tears and hugging and it was wonderful. He wanted to spend as much time with grandma as possible. And so he slept over at the hotel room with her and my stepdad Friday night and Saturday night. And I guess on uh, this morning when she brought him back, we were sitting on the porch and she said, he had me watch a movie with him. And I don't know. I wasn't sure if you let him watch it. It was um, Thunder Force. <laughs> and she was saying because it had swears in it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's, you know, some parents care about that. and some. But I'd much rather have him watch like this feminist action movie with swears like than Hackers. I don't think he, he needs to be a full adult before he sees that. Like, I feel like you internalize a message like that yeah. when it's so it's not present. I don't know. I think your thoughts. <laughs> I think. I don't know. It's a tough call because it is not, it's not like the movie has an agenda. And I know you're not making that point. Right. Yeah. No. But that it's so passively accepted in the movie as like an acceptable big, you internalize that if you're exposed to it more and more and more. You know, I don't think you see it once in our, and internalize it like that, but I don't think that makes it okay either. Yeah. So that's why I think it's a tricky situation. It's still like a case by case. But I think in, a lot of cases, somebody watching that, A, our our child is not going to watch Hackers. Uh, this is not a case for our child watching Hackers. No, he's not going to watch right. There are a lot of other reasons that our child <laughs> will not watch Hackers. But just because they're so fucking horny. Yeah, I guess they are. Like, but- <laughs> like, like, I, I stopped there. <laughs> <laughs> Even that, though, I don't super mind it. I mean, uh, Angelina's topless in at least two shots. Oh, yeah. I guess maybe he needs to be a bit older. Right. He's eight. Right. <laughs> but but I think that's the more dangerous thing is the media. And that I think the 80s really kind of scorched the earth a little bit with that sort of thing. Because it, there, it's so casual. All of this stuff is so casual. It's they present it as that's how it is, right? Like a man in a dress is funny, right? There's no or a man in a dress is wrong, and sometimes that's funny, right? And sometimes you know, like yeah, and it's just the way that it's presented. Right. So fact, I don't like that because I think that's the kind of message that a kid will take right. to heart. But uh, uh, again, this movie's not for kids. No, no, these no. are adults, and by adults, I mean like teens and older. But I think that formation, like I'm still not done with. <laughs> Taking my formative cues from the media that I watch. You know, I catch myself doing it all the time. Yeah. You know, I definitely feel like we're still unlearning some things that we learned from watching movies in the 90s. And I also think we are still taking cues from shows that we watch and ways that people act. Like, that's not something that stops at childhood. Yeah. True. I think grown ups act that way too. Yeah, you know? absolutely. I don't really know. I don't think it's a prescriptive thing where avoid it, like, doing it will tick this box, this box, this box, and not doing it will guarantee those boxes will be unticked or vice versa. You know, I just feel like it's, it's as part of the media diet. Yeah. Is it a strong part of the diet? 
our movies with these layers of things being watched frequently enough to where they're creating a main chorus or the the occasional snack that again you're not watching it for these things but you're watching it in spite of these things you know right yeah i don't know it's tricky it was definitely fun to watch i think in the same way no never mind I was going to compare it to Mad Men. Don't do that. Hmm. I'm not going to do that. Yes, I am. Mad Men, which at times would drag. Uh, it was a slow, slow burn that show. But even when it dragged, like you could just enjoy the scenery. You know, you could it, maybe it was a boring part. But look at that sunken living room. I think that unlike Mad Men, Hackers is a snapshot of mid 90s New York City. Right. Done in the mid 90s. Yeah. And is inaccurate. It's not a critical look back. Right. It's very much not self-aware. Right. But I think there's a charm to that because it does imagine like a cool setting for the mid 90s that does not exist, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's using all authentic elements that are there to create this reality that's really exaggerated. Mm -hmm. And again, like if you're on board with the cartooniness... Like, that's a lot of fun, you know? Yeah. If you're looking at it as, like, an accurate snapshot, I think that's where you run into problems with the premise and the script and the way that the characters interact with each other and the way that computers are visualized. And, like, all of it falls apart. Yeah, I feel like it's fun to watch for sure. And I think that if you're watch, you should watch with someone who you would enjoy ripping on a movie with Yeah, a little bit. And that makes it super that experience. I really enjoyed watching it with you and like yeah. ripping on it and calling it out when it had moments that were not okay. Yeah. And like all of it, like that was fun to do together. Yeah. And I will just say that Matthew Lillard hundred mm-hmm. percent agree with you. He takes what is probably objectively a really difficult character to play and portray and be likable or enjoyable it's just so weird it's not rooted in any sort of reality and he plays it so well and i think matthew lillard just does that with every role that he gets i've never seen him be anything less than 110 percent in every movie that he's been in every role that he's been in and i think serial killer is no different for him Okay, I'm going to play this meat serial killer that I just found on uh, YouTube <laughs> so that we can I, mean, I feel like I'm we're not doing justice to how annoying his voice is. You see the phone and do like absolutely nothing in and your name goes to like 17 computers a day. 1984, you're right, man. That's a typo. Orwell's here now. He's living large. We have no names, man. No names. We are nameless. So it's all like manifesto stuff like that. It's like a 90s kid who really thinks he's Jack Kerouac. Yeah. But again, like, I think it's the characters written that way, and nobody but Matthew Lillard could play that in a way that's enjoyable to watch. Yeah. He pulls it off. You kind of acclimate to the weird way that he talks. And I think also that like the, they give his character a little bit of, they give his character some layers, not just the stuff they hint about in his home life, but I feel like he has a depth as a friend. Right. That like he's the makes him mediator. More, 
yeah, he's the mediator and he's really loyal to these friends yeah. too. And I think all of that makes his sort of affectations more palatable. Yeah. And I think you're supposed to be annoyed by him at first and like him. Then great job, hackers. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Should we review this last drink? Yeah, it's a banger. I'd finished it already. So I first sniffed it and it made me think I was going to sneeze because it, you, it sp- smells so spicy and then the bubbles too at the same time. Uh, but I did not sneeze. And it is just tart and spicy and delightful. Okay, so let's rank our Avec drinks and then let's rate um, Hackers. Yeah, I'm going to go uh, worst to first. Worst for me is the pomegranate hibiscus. It tasted like medicine, like I said. I don't really have a creative way to talk about how little I liked it. The next third is going to be the yuzu and lime, which I thought was good. I would drink it again. I felt like it was missing a little bit, a little punch. And second would be grapefruit and pomelo, which I would be very close. That would be my first if the blood orange and jalapeno wasn't just so darned good. And that's the one that drew me to this company. The, just the notion of that pairing being in a drink. And that was the thing that like they delivered on it. And I love it. And as far as I'm concerned, that's their flagship drink. But Grapefruit Pomelo is coming in at a close second. All right. So I'm going to say, I mean, y'all know I love a flavored seltzer. And I particularly love a seltzer that has juice instead of artificial flavoring. I feel like that little bit of sweetness goes such a long way to making it feel like a special experience. And as someone who's using these to kind of substitute as my special drink at the end of the day instead of like a glass of wine, it makes it feel special. It makes it feel like the thing that I'm like really going for more so than like a LaCroix. I like LaCroix, but for me, it's like a step above. Mm -hmm. Anyway. These are, my, and I also want to stress, I liked all of these very much. So even though I have to put something in last place, I loved them all. She's crying. I'm weeping about She's, sodas. You're getting a little misty about how much you like these. Things. I do. Okay, so my fourth place is the yuzu and lime <laughs> because I felt like the flavor was the lightest. I feel like I didn't just didn't get as much flavor. It was good, and I would like to drink it again. Mm-hmm. But it was my least favorite of these four. Then the hibiscus pomegranate, which I really enjoyed that tartness. I really felt like it had that tannin flavor that you get from a glass of wine. And I can't wait to drink the rest of mine and Dave's that I have sitting over here. Then jalapeno and blood orange. Mm -hmm. Sorry, Dave. I love you very much. Mm -hmm. It's amazing. Your mouth is your mouth. My mouth is my mouth. And then as predicted, uh, when I first smelled the glass, uh, the grapefruit and pomelo is my top. It is citrusy. It is flavorful. It tastes to me like it's sort of like the grapefruit spindrift, but it's got like a little bit of more of an edge. Like mm-hmm. there's more going on, like subtle flavors underneath the grapefruit flavor, underneath the citrus. And yeah. it was just complex and tart and a party in my mouth, yeah. as your sister, as my sister would, would say. say. You know, the graphic, just one final note here. The graphic has a finger stirring the drink, and oh. I, can't, I can't get on board with that. That's disgusting. How dare you? Avec, I'll draw you a new graphic. Avec germs. Anyway, what do you give hackers on a scale of one to ten oil tankers? Oh, gosh. A reminder, everybody, that the plague created the Da Vinci virus to threaten 
to capsize five random oil tankers <laughs> if he did not receive the ransom. It's the genesis of the whole scam that the hackers stumbled upon. All right, I'm going to rank it among that genre of movie. And by that, no. Dave's I mean, shaking do, his head. No. Do what you want, but I think like... Do you, you mean ranking it as if against all other movies? Yes. I mean, probably a three. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it's not a good movie. Yeah. But I think like if we're comparing it to other like riffable movies, I'd rank it much higher. You know what I mean? Yeah, okay. Three oil tankers. Three, or I think if we were going to compare it to other riffable movies that are a little bit problematic, I would give it a seven or an eight. Okay. But compared to all movies everywhere, a three. Okay. Sorry. Don't. Why are you apologizing? Hackers fans. No. I enjoyed it. I would watch it again, but there are a lot of movies out there that you should watch before Hackers if you're going for like, I don't what? know, quality viewing. <laughs> but that's an interesting question, though. Like, what yeah. you're going into movies to with the expectation of seeing, you know? Yeah. Is it to be moved by, like, profound art every time? Right. Or is it to have an experience like this, you know? Yeah. I, uh, it's tough. Yeah. I'll give it a four. No, 0. I'm five. not trying to talk you up. I'm just, uh. I'm going to stick with my three. Sometimes okay. you want to watch a three. That's yeah. what I'm going to say. That's all I got. You? So like you said, there are a lot of movies out there. I can't think of another one that is close to resembling this movie, even though it's cliches, even though, you know, there's a lot of retread territory. There's something just really singular about hackers for some reason. And yeah, I got notes on the writing. I got notes on the acting. I got notes on the graphics. I got like... notes galore right but i think it delivers on something that i can't really get anywhere else and so i'm gonna give it six oil tankers out of ten and that's you know that's not an objective measure of quality that's not you know i could say that bottle rocket would be a six out of ten and it would be a six out of ten in a completely different way with a completely different set of criteria than what this movie would be as a six out of 10, you know? Mm-hmm. But I think there's something kind of earnest and also over manufactured and crude and really just like specific about this movie at the moment of time and moment in time that it came out and the people who were in it. And you just can't get that anywhere else. And so I think. All things being equal, it probably does lean more towards the three oil tankers than, but there's, there's something about how unique it is Mm -hmm. that knocks it a few notches up for me. And I think maybe that's the thing that's just like my connection to it and when I saw it and what my history with it was, but I hold it up there on a much higher tier on my personal list than probably anybody else would. (laughs) But even then, like, even through that filter, it's not on, like, a 10 out of 10 tier or a 9 out of 10 tier, you know? Mm-hmm. But it is bumped up probably above what other people would consider it, consider it as just because, like, I have a very specific history of watching it. That's fair. Thank you. Thank you for telling me it's fair. Dave. Yeah. We did it. Yeah, we did. We talked about hackers. What's the next movie? I don't know. Hey, 
if you have an idea for the next movie that we should watch, hit us up on our Instagram or Twitter DMs or send us an email at TalkingTofuPod at gmail.com. That's talking without the G. I'm Line Leader on Twitter and Instagram. I'm Glue and Glitter on all social media. Talking Tofu is a production of Caddington Inc. Our music is by Delicate Beats. Bye. Next one's Gremlins 2. Bye. You are so worried about the format. I know. It's going to be bad either way. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's stamps.com, code PROGRAM.